looked at West with a twinkle in his eye. Quite right, West. There's something very fishy about this one. You had better ask the coroner's officer to inform the CID. Further examination showed that a fierce attempt had been made to strangle the woman. There was a fracture of the voice box, indicating a violent grip on the throat. Bruising on her back suggested she had been roughly forced against the bridge parapet. There were also severe internal crushing injuries, with fractures of the ribs and fractures of both thigh bones, which were caused by her fall over the parapet onto the concrete piles and mud flats below. The woman, said CKS, had died immediately following the fall. It was at this point that Area Superintendent Reese, a shrewd man with a big laugh and amazing eyebrows, arrived at the mortuary. After he had discussed the case with Dr. Simpson, he hurried off to start investigations, and we went back to Guy's and prepared a report for the CID. Then, for four days, we heard no more about the matter. But on the fourth day came a very early morning phone call for me from CKS, saying that the CID wanted him to visit Waterloo Bridge with them, and could I be ready if he called for me in twenty minutes? Twenty minutes later, we were on our way to Waterloo Bridge. It was a cold morning, and the bridge, still in the process of completion, was broad, white, and windy, like the deck of a huge liner. A party of detectives, all very burly in thick overcoats, escorted us along the bridge to the spot where the murder had taken place. We all craned over the parapet to stare down at the place, some thirty feet below, where the body was found. Knowing that CKS didn't like heights, and fearing to see him plunging in the wake of the unhappy murder victim, I caught hold of the hem of his coat and hung on tightly. While we stared, somewhat dizzily, down at the mud, Dr. Rees confided that the woman had been identified as one Peggy Richards, a prostitute from Deptford, and that the police believed she had been murdered by a Canadian soldier. We haven't arrested him yet, but we've got him taped, explained Mr. Reese. There was some more discussion of technical aspects of the lady's fall from the parapet, and then we all walked back across the bridge, admiring the view in general and commenting on the beauty of the Thames and the fairness of the morning. Then Mr. Reese and his party drove off along the embankment to the yard, and we hurried off to start the day's post-mortems. The Canadian soldier, a private named McKinstry, appeared at the Old Bailey some two months later. He was a stocky, bespectacled, balding man, who stood stolidly in the dock listening to the case put forward by the prosecution. This was that McKinstry had come up to London on fourteen days' leave, and on arriving at Waterloo Station had gone with a friend to a public house close by, the Wellington. Peggy Richards was also at the Wellington, and remained there until closing time, in the company of several soldiers. At closing time, she was seen outside the public house, and a little later was noticed walking in the direction of Waterloo Bridge with a Canadian soldier. At midnight, a watchman on the bridge heard a man and woman quarrelling, He told a man who kept a store near the bridge. Together they went out onto the bridge, 
and there they found a Canadian soldier standing by the parapet. It was very dark, because of the blackout, so they helped the soldier off the bridge. Then they went back to see if they could find the woman. There was no woman to be seen, but by the parapet, where the soldier had been standing, they found a woman's scarf. Between 12.30 and 1 a.m., McKinstry was in Waterloo Station, asking for a chit to sleep at the YMCA. He was noticed by a policeman to be in possession of a woman's handbag, containing the identity card of Peggy Richards. McKinstry explained he had been drinking with a woman all evening, and when they came out of the public house at closing time, she hit him on the head with her handbag, and he caught hold of it, and then she ran off, leaving him with it. Next day, McKinstry went to see...